Welcome to the ARC Experience, featuring the stories of self-advocates with disabilities and their families from around Wisconsin. Be inspired. Take action. And now for today's episode. and welcome to the ARC Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh, Executive Director of the ARC Wisconsin. You are in for a treat today. I am joined by someone who I'm pretty sure is one of a kind in the country. Nikki Vandermeulen is the only openly autistic individual in the nation to serve on a school board. She says that while there are many disability rights activists who want to get into politics, they really are never encouraged to run for office, but she certainly has broken through some barriers. Nikki says she was told her whole life what she couldn't do, and she's proven those doubters wrong. Thank you for joining us, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Um, so let's get right into it. Nikki, so I've known you for quite a few years and I've yeah. heard you tell your story before, but I'm wondering for our listeners, could you tell us just a little bit about like going back in time, what your parents heard from professionals early on when you were very young um, and all of those obstacles that you kind of had to face? I was, uh, my parents um, knew that I had some, some severe developmental issues at about 10 months. Um, they were told educating me would be a waste of time and money, that um, I belonged in an institution-based education setting if I was to be educated at all. Um, the speech pathologist at age six told my parents I belonged at Lakeland for the severely disabled and we had to file formal grievance to be able to openly get out of that issue so that way I could go to the public schools. Hey, Actually, so Nikki, quick clarification for our listeners. Lakeland is an example of what we would call a segregated school, right? So for Correct. only students with disabilities, no inclusion. There, there would be no inclusion whatsoever. And that's what you did in Walworth County. I mean, I three years earlier when I was three, I could read and got kicked out of preschool because I couldn't walk right because the ADA didn't pass till I was 12. Mm -hmm. And at school, it was a struggle. Grievances had to be filed. Experts told my parents that they were wasting their time. That why are you pushing her? Clearly she's not capable. She can't write her name, she can't learn. I was reading at 11th grade level when I was in second grade, but failing reading because I couldn't write my name. Um, I don't know why they didn't give me grade and penmanship, to be 100% honest, which would have made more sense. But it's just, it's, it's a little frustrating. And I'm afraid we're taking steps backwards, not forwards. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine as a little kid, having that, those messages come at you. And I think you've said, you know, that continued as you became a young adult, and you actually wanted to get a job and go to college, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, my first experiences um, became an advocate at seven when my student teacher ordered the hated that autistics rocked back and forth. So when my desk flipped over, he ordered the entire class to uh, laugh at me. We were supposed to write thank you notes a week later when he got a full time job. I wouldn't write one. My yeah. main teacher, my main teacher told me. Well, you write a thank you note when someone's done something nice for you. It's clear you have nothing to thank him for. 
Fast forward to middle school, I had a restraining order to attend because the school followed the IP and let the kids do what they wanted in retribution. My parents had to pull me out for my own safety until safety measures were in place because people tried to throw me down window wells and uh, staircases. This isn't a tragedy though I got through. I wanted to and I advocated for others the entire way, but my high school guidance counselor did tell me that ed- that I wouldn't last a day in college unless I went to a woman's college that would meet my needs, because that was the belief at the time. I wanted to go to a Big Ten university. I told my mother that. My parents went to seven out of the 10 at the time. We actually were 10 schools and went to seven of them. I chose Madison. I made the dean's list my first semester. I was told there was no way I would graduate. I did that in three, I could have done that in three and a half, but chose not to because I would have lost health insurance. This was pre-Obamacare. Then um, was told by my job coach, after I graduated law school, was told by the uh, state DVR counselor, point blank, that opening my own firm was a waste of time and a waste of money. The best I could hope for was to be paid $2 an hour working at Goodwill and I should be happy about it. And this was after you had already completed college? Law school. Law school. Mm -hmm. Lots to think about here. We're going to take a really quick break for a word from our sponsor. Be right back. This podcast episode has been brought to you by Old National Bank. Old National Bank has been recognized by the National Organization on Disability as a leading disability employer and one of the best places to work for disability inclusion. Old National, fostering a welcoming workplace where people of all abilities, backgrounds, and skills can work together to accomplish great things. You know, you said you became an advocate at age seven. What do you think was was and is in you personally that's really helped you overcome all of these obstacles and people telling you that there are things you can't do? Stub- good family support system, one. Annoying Dutch stubbornness, number two. Um, I'm raised by coaches and advocates. My father is, was a college basketball coach, retired. My mother is still an active disability advocate. Basically, they fought heaven and earth to make sure that I was educated. And you weren't, you weren't allowed to sit back and not do anything. Accommodations could be made, and that's what we did. But to just sit there and say, oh, I'm not going to work at all, that was not acceptable. So I just I thought that's what you just did. You just kept working until it, until you figured it out, like any other problem. Didn't quite realize the magnitude of it until I read for office and started reading some of it. Because then, would you live it? You'd ever think about it? Right. I mean, your story and all the challenges actually really is pretty incredible. It's funny how you describe it as a kind of a mixture of just being plain old stubborn, family support, and just what must be those genes around being an advocate and, you know, and, and, a, and a coach, like a, a winning sort of philosophy, like, well, there is no not trying here, right? No. No, I was raised on John Wooden's uh, principles that, um, that winning may not be the only thing. We didn't go under Lombardi, but we went under Wooden, but everyone's duty is to make an effort. And that was stressed. Also, I come from a line of advocates. Besides my mother on my 
on my mom's side, her mother was the was one of the few probation and parole agents in the state of Florida at four foot eleven. Um, and my grandmother on my great grandmother on my dad's side was the first woman to vote in uh, Fenimore, Wisconsin. Wow, some strong, strong women in those genes there. You know, which brings me to the next question. You know, you really haven't stopped there in your own personal stride. You've made a commitment to wanting to help others and you even decided to run for public office. What made you decide to do that? I decided at public office when I was working on a case and it took me a couple of years to get the guts to do it, but I saw a case at MMSD in which a student who I had permission to tell the story, I wouldn't tell it otherwise, was dragged out of East High School. She was an autistic student because she had a meltdown. And when she tried to re-enter the building, she was dragged out and charged with trespassing. This was about six and a half years ago. And I realized that could have been one of my clients. And then I, because I'm a juvenile attorney full time. And then I realized that could have been me. And realized this is, schools are prisons. Schools are places of learning. You shouldn't be afraid to be dragged out because you had an autistic meltdown. You're supposed to be, we're reaching the 30th anniversary of the ADA. Mm -hmm. We are supposed to have inclusive schools and in 2014, this happened. That's not normal. Right. You know, so, so that's what inspired me. That inspired you. You mentioned MMSD. I'm just going to say for our listeners, yeah. that's the Madison Metropolitan School District. And Nikki decided to then from there run for school board. And how long have you had a school board seat at the, the state's four. second largest school district? Four, I just started my fourth year, just got my second election done, uh, got um, one with about 20% of the one by at least 20% of the vote. Um, I think it was 50,000 to 30,000, something like that. Don't remember the exact numbers. And I'm pleasantly surprised and it went well. And I enjoy my so work. People appreciate you. You know, you had said something in your bio that I was reading about you that said people with disabilities, disability advocates aren't encouraged to run for office. Why do you think that is? And what are your words of encouragement for other disability activists? People underestimate the disabled. I met my campaign manager in 2016 after asking Hillary Clinton a question on eliminating the sub-minimum wage that went viral. The first person I was assigned to on the Hillary campaign in Madison told me they didn't want people like me on the campaign. Mm. He, my uh, person, my uh, camp, future campaign manager overheard it and hired me for his team. Um, so I understand the struggle firsthand. What you need to do is be persistent, be there and be active. You have a voice. There are 35 million disabled individuals in the United States. If we can manage to organize and get together, that movement is by far the largest of any single minority group. And we just need to collectively not fight each other and just collectively fight together because we could make a lot of changes. There's a lot of power in that. Yeah. So I think, you know, just listening to you and hearing your story, it's pretty inspiring. And, and um, 
and I hope other people, uh, you know, hear your passion too. I'm really curious. There's always a next chapter for Nikki Vandermillen. What do you see as your next chapter? Well, I would have loved to win state assembly seat. Uh, the primary didn't go well. That's all right, because there are seven people. That's hard to do. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, that was a pretty hard load. But what I'm thinking about doing next is to concentrate on the school board while looking at other options, still working on advocacy. I'm right now going to be the keynote speaker at the um, South Central Autism Gala this year. I'm their keynote and hope to continue to do advocacy and law work. And who knows, maybe in the future I may try assembly again or maybe DC, who knows? Ooh, DC, good foreshadowing, I love it. Well. Nikki, thank you so much for joining us today. Really glad to uh, hear from you. And I'm sure that what you're saying is gonna really resonate with a lot of other self-advocates with disabilities and really anybody who's ever been intimidated certainly by politics or public policy. So um, you really do embody that whole nothing about us without us, Nikki. Absolutely. And that's why these, these roles are so critical. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, thank you, Nikki. You've been listening to the ARC Experience Podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can check out the ARC Experience tab and hear all of our episodes at www.arcwi.org. Until next time. Today's episode of the ARC Experience was brought to you by the ARC Wisconsin the state's oldest advocacy organization for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities and their families. It's funded in part by the Wisconsin Board for People with Developmental Disabilities. Our theme music, called Species, is the property of EY5Z and cannot be copied or distributed without permission. It was produced by Eleanor Cheatham, a composer and artist with autism. <laughs>